0: Apology comes from the Greek roots apo meaning away from or off and logia from logos meaning speech. The earliest definition of apology was something said or written in defense or justification of what appears to be wrong to others, essentially speaking in one's defense. This was portrayed by Plato in his famous dialogue, The Apology, which isn't an apology at all by today's understanding of the word, but rather Socrates' defense speech at trial. Yet another example was given in 1533. Sir Thomas More, Catholic humanist, social philosopher, and counselor to Henry VIII, he wrote the Apology of Sir Thomas More. Again, not an apology, but rather his defense of his actions. Over time, the meaning of apology began to shift from self-justification to implying regret or meaning I'm sorry. Many blame Shakespeare for this shift. It was first used to describe the process of excusing oneself from the wrath of a person affected by another's actions with the explanation that no offense was intended. Then the use became that of acknowledging that some offense had in fact been given and to express regret. The sense of the word changed so much that the English wanted a new word and borrowed the Latin word apologia, but it did not stick. In 1985, Robert Trivers, American evolutionary biologist, argued that our politeness and social-emotional responses are because we are a species that needs to feel like we belong and included in social circles. Trivers also believes this to be the cause for our long history of reciprocal altruism. Reciprocal altruism, Trivers explains, is when one agrees to help another with the expectation of receiving that same help in the future. The whole, I'll scratch your back if you'll scratch mine. According to Trivers, because of this, the the following psychological states have come to exist, which include feeling sorry, apologizing, expressing gratitude, accepting an apology, and expressing moral outrage. Feeling sorry, explained by Trivers, motivates a person to work to repair relationships that he or she may have damaged in some way. Apologizing is a kind of social behavior rooted in the emotional state of feeling sorry in which one expresses to another that they are sorry and motivated to correct things. Expressing gratitude shows others that you appreciate the altruism, you recognize it when it comes your way, and you give the okay to be counted on to reciprocate it in the future. In a sense, people will be rewarded for helping you. Accepting an apology is a social behavior that shows you are willing to trust a person to be part of your circle of reciprocal altruists moving forward. Expressing moral outrage is often directed at someone in a small group who is not reciprocating altruism, basically a freeloader or a mooch. Trivers points out that this social behavior can isolate this non-altruist and send them into the I'm sorry mode. Clearly, the apology has since evolved along with the behaviors or emotional social states associated with it. With time, an apology has continued to move further and further away from its original meaning of speaking in one's defense towards one of sorrow, regret, guilt, and shame as if we really needed any more reasons to feel shame. Shame, as we all know, causes withdrawal, avoidance, self-hatred, and hatred of others. This shame can portray one as weak in society and also takes one further away from being who they were meant to be. Of course, sometimes a true apology or an I'm sorry is warranted, but oftentimes it is used habitually, for lack of a better word, in lieu of saying nothing or worse, to not offend or upset someone for speaking up about what you want or believe in essentially putting your morals, your identity, and most importantly, your authenticity on the back burner. In a world where apology or sorry has become overused, misused, and superfluous, how do we distinguish between a sincere, heartfelt apology or one of social manipulation? What are apologies really achieving? Who is gaining from an apology? And when are they really necessary? At the same time, how do we continue to be kind, polite, and respectful in how we share our beliefs, our morals, and our desires without being sorry for who we are? Maybe the answer lies in reverting back to the original meaning of apology. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing speaker, ambassador, and author of Being Unapologetic, empowering you to become an influential speaker and visionary leader, David DeGiorgio, on my show. He will share how and why he got to where he is in life being unapologetic, and later on the show, we will open up the phone line so he can share with you personal empowering advice. So stick around after this quick break.
1: Peach fuzz is great, if it's on a peach. Let
0: Sakura Skin and Mind remove unsightly hair with dermaplaning. Although its primary purpose
1: is to remove layers of dead skin, it's just one of the added benefits leaving your skin baby smooth, safe, effective, fast, and affordable, What a concept. Sakura Skin and Mind wants you to look your very best, and dermaplaning is just one tool in their chest.
0: Find out about dermaplaning at sakuraskinandmind.com. S-A-K-U-R-A, skinandmind.com. We bring out the healthy skin and healthy way of thinking
2: you didn't know you had. A health crisis is one of the most challenging situations we will experience in our lifetime. It leaves us frightened, confused, and asking, why did this happen to me? Transformational coach Rory Reich experienced his healing crisis when the life he had so carefully constructed came crumbling down around him. The universe had offered him a challenge. He chose to accept it and to rediscover who he was before it was too late. In his book, Transform Yourself Through Disease, Rory shares his personal journey alongside eight practical steps to help those who are stuck realize their self-impairing beliefs and discover ways of transforming them so they can reclaim their health and create the life of their dreams. Don't let your health crisis define you. Take the next step and transform yourself today. For a free life coaching consultation, contact Rory at roryreich.com. That's R-O-R-Y-R-E-I-C-H.com.
0: Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe and share my YouTube channel and podcast on Podcast One, Love from the Hip, and that's H-Y-P. Today, I have the pleasure of having speaker, ambassador, and author of Being Unapologetic, empowering you to become an influential speaker and visionary leader, David DeGiorgio, on my show. Hey, David. Thanks for being here today.
1: Hey, Sakura, so great to be here with you and all of your amazing listeners.
0: <laughs> awesome. And where are you joining us from?
1: San Diego.
0: Oh, sunny San Diego. No, <laughs> yeah,
1: we're in June gloom right now, so it's not so sunny, but oh. that's okay. We'll take it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So I have to ask you, were you always apologetic as a child?
1: Yeah, as I look back, I, I realized that I, I I really was. It was just I always played small. I was always trying not to be in the way or uh, be too noticed. It was just, I guess, built into my, my DNA, or it was something learned, a cultural thing that I learned, maybe mm-hmm. because of the way I was raised. But yeah, it's been part of my life for my entire life.
0: Okay. And you grew up in Toronto, Canada, correct? That's right. Okay. So what other, what other activities or, or what else were you involved with growing up there?
1: So, originally, uh, as I started to get a little bit older, I was a composer in musical theater. And um, so, I I did a lot of musical theater. I was a producer. I had my own theater production company, and we specialized in family entertainment. And um, while I was doing that, I decided that I also wanted to do some extra good in the world. So, I became a high school music teacher. I was a head of a high school music department for uh, eight or nine years or so. And um, and while I was doing that at the same time, I decided I wanted to open up a yoga studio. Oh, so wow. I was juggling these three <laughs> very different things uh-huh. all at the same time.
0: <laughs> wow, just trying to find yourself.
1: Yeah, I think it wasn't even that, or at least I wasn't conscious of it at the time. I think it was more like, I love to say yes to opportunity and I see great opportunities and I have the capacity for it. Mm-hmm. So I just take on more and everybody around me is kind of like, are you sure that you want to take on all this stuff? And I was like, yeah, what's the problem? Doesn't everybody do this?
0: Right, right. Well, and you had gotten involved in theater at a a younger age, correct? Correct.
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah. It was actually uh, when I really, really started to get involved. I was uh, 16. I auditioned for the High School Musical. I had done some other little shows before that. But at 16, that's when I auditioned for the High School Musical. And not only did I get a part in it, I was also asked to be the musical director, which at the time I had no idea what that meant. But I said, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you go and um, that sort of started my whole career in, in music and theater.
0: Okay. Well, you had shared with me a fascinating story prior to being here on the air, and I was hoping that you could share that with my listeners today. So what happened to you in your life to make you finally stop apologizing?
1: There were two incidents. One of them was in 2009, I moved to the Arctic and through a, a bizarre series of events, I realized, like, what am I doing? I'm wasting time. I was 33 at the time. What am I doing? I'm wasting my time. Why am I playing small? Why am I not being myself with all of my friends my family? And the other incident happened a couple of years later because apparently I don't learn when the first lesson comes around. I need, uh, I need reinforcement and backup. <laughs> uh, is in 2011, um, my house was struck by lightning and burnt to the ground. Wow. And that really started to change my perspective on how I was showing up in the world for myself and for others, and really the power that I possessed to manifest and create things for myself.
0: And what do you mean by that? Do you think you manifested that
2: fire?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So six months before the fire happened, uh, every night before I went to bed, I want to, I was wondering and I was wishing for a new start. I wanted to start over. the The yoga studio that I had opened wasn't doing so well. And, um, and I, I case I had come to the realization. is like, why am I doing all these things? I'm doing too much. Uh-huh. I've taken on too much. How do I go back? And, um, I like to joke that I say, you know, I forgot that little detail in the secret that says you need to specify to the universe with no uncertain <laughs> terms what you want. Right. And unfortunately what I specified was I wanted a clean start. And so I got what I like to call Noah's Ark and I got a clean sweep.
0: Wow. And so you lost everything in the fire.
1: I did. Yeah. And, and who saved
0: everything. your life?
1: So ten days before the fire, I rented a room out in my house to a stranger who happened to be a firefighter. <laughs> and that firefighter saved me and Galileo the dog. Wow! Uh, we were all old at the time. Mm-hmm.
0: You can't make that up. You can't. No, no. And so, <laughs> Stay what...
1: tuned. next movie,
0: <laughs> <move>. <laughs> right? And so, what happened to pull you to the Arctic? Why? Why? Who goes to the Arctic? What were you hoping uh, to find?
1: Me, there? apparently. <laughs> I mean. I thought, again, it's really interesting. It was just an opportunity. I had done some work with the Yellowknife Coral Society um, earlier in that same year. And I thought, wow, it's a small community, a place to start over. It's very artistic. Um, I just, I don't know what, what came over me. And I remember my friends, when I was telling them, they're like, you're moving where? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, yeah. Um,
1: and I think it was just, I, I needed to go there to understand that lesson of um you show up where you are and oh mm. boy did i show up where i was because things were great for three days and then i like, felt like i was having a breakdown for the next three weeks nonstop. Oh wow! But i realized it's like oh well here i am nothing changed right in my life uh because i showed up and doesn't matter where i could be in fiji i could be in doesn't matter um and so i really needed to learn that lesson that i i was the problem But here's where I turned it around and I celebrated the fact that I was the problem because I quickly realized if I'm the problem, I'm also the solution in my life. Mm. And so quickly I started to become the solution for my own self. And that's when I really started to step into my power of being unapologetic.
0: That's wonderful. Well, -hmm. I want to jump back into that when we come back from the break. Um, But remember, this is a live show. And if you would like to ask David for advice on how to live your life unapologetically or maybe how to be a more confident speaker then call one 298 kknw or 425-373-5527 after this quick break.
3: The passing of our loved ones always proves to be very challenging, but can be met with ease when working with someone who can hold space, compassion, and especially someone who works across the veil. Allow Sakura Sutter, multidimensional channeler and intuitive medium to be your spiritual guide with the other side. No matter if you choose to communicate with your transitioned loved ones to help you with the grieving process, or connect with spiritual, galactic, and other light beings to explore and dive in more on your spiritual path, Sakura can assist you. Not only does Sakura channel insightful messages, but she also incorporates her metaphysical tools to help you move through blocks and unprocessed emotions and feelings, providing you with a closure, relief, and new mindset to move forward. So don't hesitate to take your first step towards healing so you can start living your life once again. Remote sessions available. Contact Sakura at sakurasutter.com. That's S-A-K-U-R-A-S-U-T-T-E-R dot com.
0: Irritation, inflammation, redness, post procedure sensitivities? No problem. With Astera Skincare Mist, you can continue about your day without the skin dismay. Acne, rosacea, psoriasis, sunburns, rashes, and fungus? Don't let these skin concerns inconvenience you. Instead, let Astera Skincare Mist allow you to be happy in the skin you're in. Available at Sakura Skin and Mind. Learn more at Asteracare.com. That's E S T H E R A care.com. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. Don't forget to tune right here every Wednesday at 2 to 3 p.m. for more Love from the Hip. Today, I have the pleasure of having speaker, ambassador, and author of Being Unapologetic, empowering you to become an influential speaker and visionary leader, David DeGiorgio, on my show. And if you have a question for David on how to live your life unapologetically or how to be more a, com- or a more confident speaker, Feel free to call 1-888-298-KKNW or 425-373-5527. So David, before the break, you were telling us how you moved to the Arctic, because everyone was doing it. (laughs) I'm joking. Um, So how did you start living unapologetically when you got back from the Arctic?
1: So as I mentioned, what I realized when I was in the Arctic is that I was the problem in my life. And the problem was that I didn't really let anybody get too close to me. I didn't really nurture relationships. And it stemmed from the fact that I had at 33, not yet officially come out to anybody. Now, of course, the humor in this, and I I, I love to take great humor in this. Once I started telling my friends, they're kind of like, yeah, David, we know we got it. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, but can you just give me the pleasure of like, this is hard. Right. Like I'm 33 years old. I need, you know, like, let me do this because <laughs> I've never told you. And so for me, it was really a transformational experience. Mm. Um, and one of the reasons that I waited so long is because I knew that um, it was not something that would be acceptable for my family. Mm. And um, when I did come out to them, I, I was disowned which is what I expected, which, you know, like I said, that's why I waited so long to actually come out. But it was really me claiming my identity, who I am. And uh, yeah, it was really a turning point for me.
0: Yeah. And you also grew up Catholic too, right? I did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you had all of those things. All sorts. (laughs) Yeah. So what did you first notice then started happening once you started living unapologetically?
1: Oh, everything started to change. The quality of my relationships, the quality of my fulfillment in just the everyday life, mm-hmm.
0: uh,
1: just everyday things that I was doing, um, the quality of the connections that I had. I had even more opportunities coming at me. Um, I was able to, I mean, it sounds weird, but like I was able to make more money because of it. It's just, it's so interesting how it's all interconnected when you vibrate at a different level and that is vibrating who you are right. rather than trying to adjust that vibration, then magic happens. And I was really um, stilting the magic up until, you know, that time.
0: Yeah. And you're really giving it your all. You're giving 100% versus like 50.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I don't even know if I was giving even 10, to be okay. honest. <laughs> all
0: right. So how did you end up then in San Diego?
1: So when I was 16, I visited San Diego on a high school band trip And I remember the exact spot I said it. I declared one day I'm going to live here. And about 25 years later, I happened to have an online dating profile. And um, my now husband found my online profile and... um, I, it just a- ended up working out. He's originally from Louisiana, but has lived in San Diego for 15 or 16 years now. Okay. And, um, it was all just meant to be, I suppose, but I really bring it back to that power of declaration. If you know what you want and you put it out there, we don't know the timeline, but if you're powerful with your declarations, they will always come to be.
0: Yeah. And even so to add more details, what you told me, as well, was that you weren't even living in San Diego at the time. <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs> yeah, so I had, um, uh, like, at some point, I took a trip to San Diego as an adult, and I I happened to just change my profile to say, oh, San Diego, I want to live in San Diego. <laughs> and I literally was here for, like, a couple days, and then I I was just traveling around the U.S. with a, a marching band and a drum corps, and um, six months later is when my my husband messaged me and I had to kind of break the news. I had to say, and I was talking about being unapologetic. So the first mm-hmm. message, and we chuckle about this first message was um, just so you know, I mean, your profile's great. You sound really nice, but um, I'm Canadian. So read between the lines. I'm not <laughs> looking for a date. I need a husband <laughs> if I'm to stay here, right? Like that was kind right. of the joke. And then um, uh, the second message was, oh, and by the way, I don't live in San Diego. And he was a little <laughs> bumped by that, but. You know, but he took it well,
0: obviously. He took it
1: well, and you know, it's funny the universe prepared him because his previous relationship was a long distance relationship, so he was open to being in a long distance relationship for a time if you know if the energy was there, and so right.
0: But again, just another example that you're able to manifest
1: (laughs) what Mm -hmm. you want. And I think that incident, it truly was the most unapologetic moment of my life. I kind of look back on that and I'm like, who was that? Who
0: <laughs> those things?
1: And I mean, it turned out pretty well. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And you've been married for how long now again?
1: <laughs> Three years. We've been okay. together for four. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, awesome. Well, congratulations. Thank you. So tell me more about your book.
1: Yeah. So being unapologetic, um, I've always wanted to write a book, but I never thought, am I going to be one of those people who writes a book and not sure how to do it? I, I met a mentor. His name is Patrick Snow. He's published a couple of books and sold lots and lots of copies of his books. And I went to a couple of his events where he, he empowers people to become published authors. And as he was speaking and I heard basically the same information three or four times, because as we said, I need to hear things more than once and learn the lesson more than once. Um, It started to click to me as like, oh, I think my message is like, be who you are, be unapologetic. And really it is a reminder to myself because I know if I can remind myself daily to be unapologetic, um, great things will come. And the power of watching my clients and when I'm speaking, just what happens to people when they can be unapologetically who they are, everything changes for them. And Mm -hmm. so it's been an amazing ride. The Mm -hmm. book has been out for about a year, came out on August 18 of 2018. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's just been an amazing blessing to, to be a published author.
0: Okay. And who was your book intended for?
1: That's a great question. I mean, <laughs> technically the book is intended for me. <clears throat> okay. Um Now. If I am the blueprint, so here's the thing, I felt alone my entire life, mm-hmm. I felt different. Um, and I thought there's got to be other people like me. So I used me as the blueprint. So it's those everyday extraordinary people who know they have something more in them, more to give people who are tired of playing small, people who are tired of watching others share what they believe and not sharing what, what they want to believe, what they want to say themselves, people who have played behind the curtain most of their life. And so truly it was for those people, the other people just like me. And I mean, we've done really well. The book went number one in 10 countries, actually number one in eight countries and number two in two others. And so I guess there's other people out there like me. So I (laughs) shouldn't feel as alone as I thought I was. Yeah,
0: no, that's (laughs) fabulous. And so do you think then you were also then you said you wrote it for you? Were you writing it for your younger self?
1: I think so. You know, that's such a great question. I think that So the interesting part about this question is when I look back at my younger self, there are so many incidents and moments where I was truly unapologetic. Mm -hmm. And it was those moments that informed me today on an ongoing basis of who I truly am and what I am capable of. Mm. And so it's almost like the adult David saying to the kid, David, I get it. I finally (laughs) get it. Yeah. You know, and it's like bringing myself back into to union. With That's your,
0: your big aha.
1: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm.
0: I guess, is that how you would recommend then for people to find their true selves buried under all of those apologies?
1: Yeah. And I talk a lot about this in the book is to like, look at the breadcrumbs of your life. We drop breadcrumbs our entire life. And so instead of ignoring your past or thinking that your past has affected or shaped who you are today, what if your past is the actual, the clues that you need to reveal who you are? Your purpose shows up in those little moments where you react and respond to the good, the bad, and the ugly. All you have to do is go notice how you react and respond in certain situations. What were the amazing moments? What were the bad moments? All of them. You look at all of those things together and you start to notice the pattern of who you are. And when you start to see that pattern, you truly start to come alive and, and you can be unapologetically who you were meant to be.
0: Mm, that's wonderful. And so was your book also written for I know that you work a lot with um, helping speakers, correct? Mm-hmm. But um, yes. what is some of the feedback you've gotten from other people who don't necessarily do public speaking?
1: Well, and that's the funny thing about it. I would say that most of the people who read my book are not speakers, actually. Um, It's just, like I said, it's those everyday extraordinary people. And here's the thing, like what I truly believe, we all arrived in this world as speakers. We're all speakers Mm -hmm. because that's how we communicate. And so this whole myth of you are now a public speaker, I mean, I joke and say, as opposed to what? A private (laughs) speaker? What what does that even mean? right? right?" (laughs) So... um, it's just the these everyday extraordinary people who know that they have something more in them. And usually it's the people who just resonate with the word unapologetic. It makes them tingle, whether it's positive or negative. It's those people who I found have really picked up my book and taken to it and just have gotten so much out of it. Recently, actually, I just had a woman just last week called me and she said, David, I read your book. And I want to tell you, like... People write books, but oh my goodness, your book is like a miracle and I was just, <laughs> I was taken aback because I think right. I did a good job, but yeah. you know when someone actually tells you and the impact that it had on her and she's going to take a bigger st- uh, a role in her life as a, a national trainer for the company that she's a member of and she never did that before because she suffered from paranoia uh-huh. and feeling apologetic to everybody else. And she said, I read your book and I'm ready. Thank you for the message. And I was like, yes, that's what I'm (laughs) up to.
0: (laughs) That's great. Well, we're going to have to go to another break. On this Weekly Skinny, I would like to talk about a Twitter post that went viral recently. On May 22nd, Erin Whitley tweeted, ladies, you got a freckle in the middle of your wrist or is it a myth? LMAO. This tweet prompted over 11,000 women to share photos, all claiming to have the exact same freckle and questioning why. Men also started joining in, too. Some commenters were a bit freaked out by the mass coincidence, and many were offering up reasons why. Despite the riveting proof of the common middle wrist freckle, Dr. Deborah Jaliman, a New York-based dermatologist, had to clear up the coincidence. In an article on Health.com by Christina Orler, Jaliman goes on to say, A wrist is somewhere people wouldn't think to wear sunscreen, unless maybe if you're on a beach. She goes on to say that her clinic sees tons of freckles on the hands and wrists, and that it is very common. So let's talk about freckles. The word freckle actually comes from the Middle English word frecken, which comes from the Old Norse word freckner, meaning freckled. The medical term for freckles is ephelides. Ephelides refers to one millimeter to two millimeter flat spots that are tan, slightly reddish, or light brown, which appear during sunny months and fade in winter months. You may have noticed these small spots, especially when you were young, when adults around you grabbed your little cheeks just for that reason. No one is born with freckles. They actually tend to appear in children as early as age one or two. And they are most common in redheads or people with light complexions and can be hereditary. Freckles are due to an increase in pigment or melanin, which is produced by your melanocytes. Most are harmless and rarely develop into skin cancer. For those that are bothered by their freckles, the use of sunscreen as well as topical antioxidants like vitamin A, C, and E can help with the appearance. Other therapies can be done too, including laser light therapy, LED therapy, and chemical peels to help rid of freckles altogether. If the freckle is starting to change shape or alter in color or size, it is imperative to see your dermatologist to rule out any form of melanoma. If you just don't think your freckles are cute anymore, feel free to email me at sakura at sakuraskinandmind.com or call 206-730-7429 to get started on some topical antioxidants and to schedule a chemical peel. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And feel free to email me at sakura at lovefromthehip.com with your comments, your criticisms, your questions, and well wishes. Let me know how I'm doing. Today, I have the pleasure of having speaker, ambassador, and author of Being Unapologetic, Empowering You to Become an Influential Speaker and Visionary Leader, David DiGiorgio, on my show. So, David, before the break, you were talking about some things that you – some advice that you have from your book – about how to start living unapologetically, but you also talked about comparanoia. What do you mean by that?
1: Yeah, comparanoia sucks and (laughs) it has crippled me and I see it crippling so many people for for so long. I uncovered in my own journey that our desire, my desire to be like everybody else or just to be liked actually limits who you are. Mm. But when you prioritize who you are first, all of a sudden all this new possibility and opportunity becomes available to you. So, you know, think about for yourself, like how many times do you not put yourself out there because you're like, well, that person does it better or that idea has already been done or, you know, like I'm a composer. So, I mean, everything's pretty much been written, you know, every chord progression has been explored, but if, if everybody thought that there would be no new music. Mm. And so I believe that if you compare less and celebrate more, celebration being the anecdote to comparanoia, that all of a sudden you'll open up new possibility and you'll just start to, again, be unapologetically who you are. What's interesting about this is, you know, the book is called Being Unapologetic. And I have my method, you know, how to discover, develop, and deliver your message and your ideas and all this stuff. But what ended up happening was the first section and the last section of the book are actually called celebration. Mm. And as the book has sort of matured in my mind and with readers, I realize that celebration is the real key here to everything. And when you can celebrate who you are, what you believe, what you're up to on small little ways all along the way, everything changes for you instead of waiting to celebrate when you achieve something or waiting for your birthday or waiting to get that job or hit that financial goal, whatever it is. right? right. What are we waiting for? Right. You know, we arrived, so the first line in the book says, life begins with celebration. Hmm. So why does anything have to change then? Why is not why don't we continue to celebrate all the little tiny everyday extraordinary milestones? And that's sort of my little experiment that I'm going to be working on a little (laughs) bit more this year to see, um, to do more research on celebration and how it empowers people.
0: So how would you recommend someone to start celebrating themselves?
1: Every morning when you wake up, what are you telling yourself? Right, so I wake up and I look in the mirror and I say, "I appreciate you, I thank you, and I love you," and then I I have my own personal declarations. You know, I'm an unapologetic, joyfully audacious, unmessable leader or speaker or husband, depending on the situation. Um, I think it's important, and also physical celebration is like uh, people don't. Uh, I got to say it, people don't shake their ass enough. you know. <laughs> Tony <laughs> Robbins' top trainer, um, Joseph McClendon, taught me this idea and he said, it's impossible not to feel better when you move your hips around. Right. And it really is true. Even if you're sitting down and you wiggle your hips, all of a sudden you feel better. And um, there's something to that. So I, I really do little moments of celebration all day long for the little things that I achieve when I accomplish a task. And, and I pay attention to, okay, what is the learning from that celebration? I'm not just patting myself on the back to pat myself on the back.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm like, okay, well, if I achieve this task, what can I take from this so I can reproduce it, so I can become more efficient, so I can um, get more of what I want in my life? So in a sense, um,
0: you're boosting your confidence, right?
1: A hundred percent. It's all about confidence. And you know, it's so funny, I learned this as a high school teacher because- You can't really give, so if we're we're just being real for a second here, Sakura, Mm -hmm. you can't really give the feedback that you want sometimes to a teenager, right? Because you'll get uh, fired. (laughs) I have
0: one, so I can attest to that. Right?
1: Uh Okay, so I learned very early on, after a moment where I thought, oh, I'm going to be fired for that one. I learned very on early on a good way to do feedback is to tell people what you loved about what they did. Remember I taught music. So there mm-hmm. was a lot of pretty terrible sounds in my classroom. Yeah. Um, and so what did you love and what would you love more of? So here we're focusing and celebrating the positive things. Mm-hmm. Why would we worry about the things that didn't work? If we can identify the things that do work and then create a situation where we, uh, empower more of those things to happen
0: right and then also you're kind of learning to stay at that level that vibration yes. right? so then you start attracting that opportunity into your life more
1: absolutely and i'm not saying to ignore like what you should avoid because sure, sure spend a hot second on that here's <laughs> what, here are the mistakes these things don't work but what does work instead what is the opposite what would I do instead? Because we spend so much time thinking about what doesn't work. That throws us into comparanoia, which throws us into apology, and nothing works then. Right. We're just waiting. We're unrealized miracles.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, David, we have a caller. So it's Great. Barbara from Florida.
1: I and- love Barbara from Florida. <laughs>
0: and she already has her book. So hey, Barbara. Thanks for Hi, calling how in. How are you? Good. How are you?
1: I'm doing well, thank you.
0: So, do you have a question or a comment? I
1: do. Um, David, I know you mentioned something about the celebration, and I know I've started doing my morning rituals of celebrating in the morning, of um, seeing myself as a speaker, and, you know, putting music on and dancing. How do I keep that going? Because there are times when in life, life happens. So, what do I keep, how do I keep that momentum going, and even when those times that are not so great happen? (laughs) I love this question because, um, and this is never about comparing like, oh, I have a bigger situation than your situation, right? So never fall into that habit or um, never fall victim to that. But what I realized is if I could, as I was watching my house burn down, celebrate the fact that I could understand that I had a knowledge, understanding, awareness that one, I was okay. My dog was okay. We got out. And no matter what, I was going to be fine, but also that, oh, I'm powerful. Like I manifested something like this. So what else am I capable of? And I realized in that moment, okay, it's a choice. I have a choice to either look at life through a negative perspective or look at life through a positive perspective. Um, It's so funny, I was just uh, programming my social media today and I I have this quote, something to the effect of like, um, the glass isn't half empty or half full, your perspective is. Mm. And so I think there's so much power in recognizing what am I choosing right now? Does this choice contaminate my freedom or does it contribute to my freedom? And so when you are committed to making choices that contribute to your freedom... Uh, and to add more celebration and positivity in your life, then all of a sudden everything starts to change for you. Perfect. Thank you so much. That that
4: really supports me.
1: Ah, thank you. Thanks
0: for calling in, Barbara. You're welcome. Take care now. Bye bye. That was wonderful. So, do you have a quick bit of advice? Because I know you touched on teenagers really quick, <laughs> but about teens and parents, and parents and teens on being unapologetic. <sighs>
1: Yeah. Teens and parents. Oh my gosh. Um, (laughs) Here's the thing. Like what would be different for both of you? Again, if you sought out in each other, the good, like what do you love about each other and what would you love to see more of? Hmm. The truth of the fact here is the truth of the matter is I mean, teenagers are not fully formed brains. Like we know this. Science has told us, right? (laughs) Right. That there are some synaptic um, issues, let's say, (laughs) in the brain of a teenager. And so what if we just celebrated them for going through their own process? Mm -hmm. Like we're in such a rush as parents or as as adults with our teens to get them, you know, to, to be more responsible and to be more this and to be more that. Well, what if we just celebrated them for going through their own journey and learning, I learned this really interesting. Um, we, in, in, as a teacher, we didn't want our kids to fail. And we worked very closely with another teacher who would always tell us, oh, no, let them fail because mm. the failures are where the gold is. And so that was a really hard lesson as a young teacher to figure out. Is like, okay, there is actually moments of celebration in failure. So right. what if you supported your kids to fail mm-hmm. safely, of course, and you and you showed them that you're there for them the entire way. That's transformative for for a, a relationship and a connection between a parent and a child.
0: Yeah, and then also when you're emphasizing the good, it it, it just makes them do more of that. <laughs>
1: exactly. <Right? laughs> and if if something bad happens, again, they don't feel like they've done something wrong or they under, they're they're learning responsibility and they know that you have their back. And there is nothing more important. Like, look, I waited till I was 33 because I knew if I came out to my parents, they would not have my back. They told Mm. me that multiple times growing up. Yeah. And it's that's not fun. It's not a fun way to live.
0: So would you extend the same advice then to just a regular relationship?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Celebrate what you love. Celebrate what you want more of. Um, focus on those things. Take a moment to, to look at, okay, what isn't working? W- what should we talk about here? What do we have to communicate about? But then be like, okay, so now what? Because I always say this when I'm working with speakers or leaders, I say to them, look, the point of the fact isn't your content because nobody really cares about your content or your story. The real point is, so what? What do you want them to do about it? Mm. And if you're clear about moving forward, taking your knowledge and moving forward with it, you create opportunities for people to better themselves, to improve your relationships and really anything that you want.
0: Right. And then you just keep that vibration high.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah,
0: that's great. We're going to have to take another quick break. So everyone stick around for more love from the hip.
1: A health
2: crisis is one of the most challenging situations we will experience in our lifetime. It leaves us frightened, confused and asking, why did this happen to me? Transformational coach Rory Reich experienced his healing crisis when the life he had so carefully constructed came crumbling down around him. The universe had offered him a challenge. He chose to accept it and to rediscover who he was before it was too late. In his book, Transform Yourself Through Disease, Rory shares his personal journey alongside eight practical steps to help those who are stuck realize their self-impairing beliefs and discover ways of transforming them so they can reclaim their health and create the life of their dreams. Don't let your health crisis define you. Take the next step and transform yourself today. For a free life coaching consultation, contact Rory at RoryReich.com. That's R-O-R-Y-R-E-I-C-H dot com.
4: protection call 206-730-7429 or go to sakuraskinandmine.com if you're planning on building a home or a major landscaping project you want the team of stone resources on your side Safely, effectively, and correctly working with our unique terrain requires local knowledge and environmental care. For 21 years, Stone Resources has been making sure their customers' biggest investment is on solid ground. Trust your next earth-moving project to Stone Resources. Call 425-754-6792. That's 425-754-6792. Stone Resources, we make the earth move. And remember, if you need dirt or have dirt to get rid of, you can call on us, 425-754-6792.
0: Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe and share my YouTube channel and podcast on Podcast One, Love from the Hip, and that's H-Y-P. Today, I have the pleasure of having speaker, ambassador, and author of Being Unapologetic, empowering you to become an influential speaker and visionary leader, David DiGiorgio, on my show. So, David, aside from the book and doing your one-on-one coaching, you also have a project,
1: I do. So, project being unapologetic is truly my life's work. Um, um, the performing arts changed and saved my life when I was in high school. That getting into that musical really changed everything for me. Mm. Uh, to that point, I was—I—you I, know—I'd been bullied my whole life, and I felt bullied in high school. And so, to make a long story short, it really supported me. And I've always wanted to be able to give back and support other amazing performing arts students and their teachers to be able to realize their dreams and feel supported like someone has their back and Mm -hmm. to celebrate them. And so I had this idea when I was launching the book, what if I went in to a high school performing arts program and I did sort of like a confidence workshop. They thought that I was there for a confidence workshop and um, I sort of did my unique brand of you know, empowerment. And at the end of it, they get a surprise. And it happened that that surprise was a $5,000 check. great! Now, what was interesting was this school in particular, the Ayala High School Choir, just outside of Los Angeles, they wanted to feel more respected on campus. Like, sports teams the football team things like that right because not in music we're not as I don't know we just don't get the same type of recognition Mm -hmm. so what they did with their five thousand dollars is they commissioned a composer to write two pieces for them which their name goes on the piece forever and they just performed the world premiere I was honored to be at the at their world premiere concert a couple weeks ago Um, And just to watch the transformation in those kids from the work that we did to them performing on stage, it's really, really amazing. So I'm on a mission to really expand the project out and get corporate and celebrity endorsement and and really bring this out to lots of schools, lots of teachers. You know, in the face of so many arts programs being cut now, um, I know that the arts saves kids' lives. They've saved saved my life. Mm. I know lots of people whose lives whose life they saved. And so, um, I, you know, I'm obsessed with turning this, I don't know if it's going to be a reality TV show, <laughs> if it's going to be a tour, but right. that's, that's what I'm up to. <laughs>
0: well, and how rewarding for you, right?
1: Oh my gosh. It's, it's everything. Like I, I explode with, uh, all my energy when I'm working with young people like that.
0: Yeah. And you're able to relate to them. I'm sure that they, the bullies are still around.
1: Oh my gosh, absolutely. I can totally relate. I see myself in every single one of them.
0: So has the book helped you to heal?
1: Yeah, it's so interesting. I think, like I had said earlier, the book sort of helped me come full circle with myself and realize I am enough. I did arrive with a standing ovation in this world. I have a message to share. I have a message that encourages, inspires, and empowers other people to be themselves. How cool is that from somebody (laughs) who felt super bullied and super diminished their entire life, right? And I believe that's true of everybody.
0: Well, and it sounds like your path has, you've been very in touch with your intuition. Was this something you were in tune with as a child?
1: Oh my gosh, especially as a child. And um, it's so funny. And I don't know why. I hope that the world and communities and cultures start to really encourage our kids to hang on to their intuition, you know, so that we don't have to, as adults, uh, go to amazing people like you. I don't want you out of a job, Sigur, but you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> to go to people to have to get back in touch with our intuition, because like, that's almost preposterous. We right. are intuitive beings. Right. Right. And yeah. somewhere along the way, whether it's through culture or learned or whatever the situation is, we, we become unintuitive for some reason. For me, I stuffed it away. It was scary. I was extremely intuitive. I, I was in touch with other world spirit and all of that stuff. And I didn't know, you know, growing up in an immigrant, a Catholic family, that was not really cool. Uh, and that was not something to talk about. It was right. just something to put away. Hmm. And so I did. And that's so sad because that's part of who I am. Right. And now my intuition, and I have little parties all day long. <laughs> like we have conversations and I just, I trust my intuition. I'll ask my intuition a question before I go to bed and my <laughs> intuition will have the answer a day or two later. It's fabulous.
0: <laughs> right. So you're not unapologetic for listening to your intuition.
1: No, absolutely not. And I encourage anybody out there, if you feel like you're just a little bit, you know, on the fringe or too woo woo or whatever, embrace that. Listen, your intuition is there to protect and guide you in a way that nothing else in your life, no other source can.
0: Yeah. And working with speakers, right? Mm -hmm. You work a lot with preparing people for TEDx talks, correct? Yes. So is that something that you also tell them?
1: Absolutely. like I I refuse really to work with people who want to talk about a topic. I'm like, no, we got to talk about who you are, what your idea. And I think this is why the TED brand has become so viral, because it is these ideas worth spreading. And oftentimes, especially in the viral talks, what you see people is they lay their entire being out on the stage. It's mm-hmm. what they believe. Brene Brown didn't go viral because it's an accident. It's because she believes so deeply in what she's talking about. Right. It's who she is. Right. And that's what I love about TEDx Talks. And you know, when I work with speakers like that, I want to work with those speakers who really are up to something big and changing the world and have a big message to impact others.
0: That's great. So I have a tough question. Have you forgiven your family?
1: I love this question because um, my struggle with it is because I, it almost doesn't compute with me because I'm like, okay, I would be a hypocrite if I said that they needed to apologize for anything or there was any, you know what I mean? Like, right. If they're being unapologetic in what they believe and who they are, and they've told me before, so I can honor, I'm at a place where I honor and respect who they are and where they're at. And so there's no yeah, there's there's no words that need to be said. I fully respect their decision of what they've chosen for their life. And um I respect how I want to live my life. And so I live and move forward with healthy detachment.
0: Okay. And of course you're leading by example. So is this something that you also offer up to your the people you're working with as far as forgiving those around around them Absolutely. that aren't accepting them?
1: Absolutely. And I almost feel like what I like. Why do we have to put ourselves in a situation where we get to forgive? Like, I almost think like you're giving yourself too much credit if you can forgive somebody.
4: Mm-hmm. Like,
1: I, 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 it sounds a little bit strange to me. It's almost like, why don't you empower yourself to let go of something that is like toxic right. for who you are?
0: Yeah, keeping you down.
1: Absolutely. And that I think that's why I'm so okay with where I'm at today. And I don't really hold grudges against people. It doesn't mean I have to like everybody, <laughs> but I'm not gonna think, oh my gosh, that person, like they owe me. Right. Nobody owes me anything. Yeah. You know, I owe myself the respect not to think anybody owes me anything. And to me, that really is the essence of being unapologetic.
0: Okay, that's great advice. So where do you hope to grow from here?
1: So my next, so I've helped so many people do their talks and be TED speakers. I am on a mission to step onto the TEDx stage myself this year. And I have a couple of opportunities that I'm working on before the end of this year. So I'm excited about that. And tied to that, I've got this thing that I'm starting. It's called 123 Celebrate. And 123 Celebrate, as I mentioned before, dives deeper into researching celebration and how the different kinds of celebration, cultural celebration, personal celebration, outward, inward celebration, and really doing research on what it looks like and how you can use celebration as a growth tool. So this is going to be one of those like 100 day challenges. I actually think it's going to be 123 days, hence one, two, three, celebrate, and really dive in and show people by example what it looks like to use celebration as a tool to unleash your unapologetic self to the world.
0: Hmm. That's wonderful. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so if you were to share an overall message for anyone struggling to come out and just be themselves, what, what would you want to say?
1: I always say this. Like I said, the opening line of my book reads, life begins with celebration. And whenever I speak, I tell my audiences, if I have anything to do with it, it's over my dead body that you would exit this world without the same standing ovation you arrived with someone is waiting for the message that only you can deliver. How long are you going to make them wait?
0: That's wonderful. So how can my listeners contact you or learn more about you, David?
1: My website beingunapologetic.com and you can connect with me across all social media and uh, we can connect over there beingunapologetic.com.
0: All right. Well, thanks again for being here today.
1: Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much, Sakura, <laughs> for your amazingness and your blessings.
0: Great. Thank you. And thank Eric, my wonderful producer, and you, the listener, KKNW, K- KBKW, and Cape Town Zone Radio. You can find me at sakurasutter.com. And tune in next Wednesday for another episode of Love from the Hip presents the Conscious Coaching Hour. Stay kind out there. Stay true to you. And don't forget, make self-love contagious. Go ahead. I dare ya.